0: I'm Dr. Tio Wan Lin, and welcome to my podcast, Dermatologist Talks, Science of Beauty. In this podcast, we discuss all things beauty and science related, including what's new and trending. Well, just a couple of weeks back, celebrity J. Lo caused a bit of a stir amongst a few dermatologists in the US when she claimed she hasn't had Botox till this day crediting her 51-year-old wrinkle visage to olive oil notwithstanding her latest skincare line launch. Now, I definitely have my own opinions on that, both as a woman and as a dermatologist. But before you hear what I have to say, I want to introduce three guests, plastic surgeons and friends of mine Dr. Chris Tree, Dr. Terence Goh, and Dr. Zul Rashid from Azatica Plastic Surgery, who will be joining us today on this episode. I had the pleasure of working with Chris, Terence, and Zul, who were my registrars when I was a junior dermatology resident and rotating through the Department of Plastic Surgery and Burns Unit at the Singapore General Hospital over a decade ago. How time flies. They have now set up their private practice, attica and are also my neighbours at Royal Square Novena Medical Suites. So, big hello to you guys. It's been a really long time. How has 2020 been for all of you?
1: Hi, Wanin. Uh, this is Chris. Yeah, thanks for having us on your podcast. Um, I mean, my interest is uh, a lot of uh, mostly reconstructive surgery some aesthetic work as well. Uh, I mean, in, in Singapore, we do a bit of everything. Um, 2020, I mean, same for everyone. We've had our ups and downs, but overall, we've pulled through quite well. Uh, aesthetic is doing well. So it's good to be your neighbours as, as well. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll see you around.
0: It's lovely to have you guys in the same building again. And Terence, tell us what you've been up to.
2: Hi, Wanlin. Um, thanks for having us on this uh, podcast. This is my first time, so it's quite exciting. Um, you know, Enzetica is formed by Chris, myself, and Zhu, so we are three plastic surgeons together. Uh, we we had, like like Chris mentioned, a rough time in the earlier part of the year, but we, we managed to pull through. So now um, we have just relocated to the new uh, Enzetica Plastic Surgery Centre on Level 14. So we're looking forward to uh, yeah this new place that we have and also uh, meeting you along the corridor.
0: Well, excellent. And likewise. And finally, we have the third musketeer, Zool. Hi,
3: Wanlin. How are you? Can't believe that it's been 10 years since we met in SGH. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm Zool. I'm also a plastic surgeon in Azaleca Plastic Surgery. Uh, my interests are in breast and body contouring. And yeah, 2020 has been quite an exciting year, and we're all waiting for phase three to come about.
0: Well, it's so great to connect with you guys again. So moving on, before this podcast, we were each tasked to examine the video featuring J-Lo in her latest skincare line advertisement, where she shows off her flawless face and body. And that apparently inflamed a few US dermatologists who claimed her Botox denial was particularly galling because she was showing off her superior genes and quote-unquote zero-effort beauty and suggesting perhaps she was dismissing self-care and the discipline it takes to achieve beauty at her age. Personally speaking, I was slightly surprised at the outrage because while it isn't common for a 51-year-old to look as flawless as she does in the video, and even less common for someone who has never had cosmetic treatments, as a dermatologist, I am generally quite cautious about um, passing my own judgments about someone's appearance, their age, regardless of what they've done or not. But it's also quite relevant that we bring up the issue of whether her statements of Botox denial uh, may have been offensive in any way and would it have been different if she had just credited um, you know, her healthy lifestyle habits instead of her skincare routine. Well, more on that later because I want to hear what my colleagues in plastic surgery have to say. Now, first up, what do you guys think? Is it at all possible that J-Lo hasn't had Botox?
1: So I'll, I'll go first. That's uh, Chris here. So yeah, I mean, at 50 years old, she looks really good. She looks quite amazing, actually. Uh, her body as well, as you were saying. Um, but I, mean, it, it is, I guess it's, it is possible, but it's quite highly unlikely. I mean, in the circles that she's running in, everyone around her would be having some type of treatments done. Um, it's highly likely that she did something along the way. Uh, I'm not sure why she would say she di- hasn't done anything, especially Botox, which is quite harmless. But I mean, it could have something to do with the fact that she's launching her own skincare range. But uh, mm-hmm. I guess we'll give her the benefit of the, of the doubt and, and believe her but, uh yeah it's it's pretty hard to get to that age and and not have anything done and look so good
2: um yeah i think um it's it is like you mentioned it's rare to look so good at this age without any wrinkles i I did go online to look at some of the other photos um you know you know with, as a celebrity there are tons of photos so some of the photos you can see she does have some under eye wrinkles um and then also some crow's feet. As well as some small lines, so I think you know there was a video. It it could have been there could be a lot of makeup. There could have been use of filters. So a lot of these um technologies that's so readily available, which I'm sure she has like you know a good makeup artist. You could you could conceal quite a fair bit, you know. So I mean, I I, I think she definitely used some of that to her advantage. Um, but but um, yeah, like like Chris mentioned, I think it would be quite rare if she hadn't tried any of it before um and certainly it would be advantageous for her to um try to seem like she did it naturally or through her own means right yeah
3: i think it certainly is possible that she hasn't had the treatments like botox and stuff but you know it is uh like what the rest think it's quite probable that she has had it and you know i don't think that's uh this you know, any harm in, you know, in in admitting that you've had something like that. But uh, yeah, there may be factors like her upcoming skincare range, which she's trying to promote, which is, uh, is making her hide the fact that she might have some uh, Botox.
0: Yeah, so all that is very relevant and I do see where everyone is coming from. I have to disclose that prior to this podcast, I had privately polled another plastic surgeon who thought it was definitely possible that she hasn't had Botox and simply had amazing jeans, uh, a healthy lifestyle, and the um, hairstyle that she was wearing in the video certainly um, you know, created uh, an illusion of perhaps a, a more youthful, a tighter, and lifted uh, facial appearance. What do you think are the chances of that?
1: Well, maybe she hasn't had Botox, but maybe she has done other things other than Botox, you know, Altera. I, mean, I think she also said that she hasn't done any fillers at all um, or any injectables, but maybe some other things like um, HIFU, um, some RF treatments, I don't know. But healthy, healthy lifestyle would definitely help getting enough sleep. Uh, looking after your skin. I think she said she used sunscreen. You know, that was the one thing that she she definitely said that everyone should be using. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to say whether she really has or hasn't, but most people at that age would look quite a bit older if they if they haven't had anything done.
0: My personal assessment is that it's pretty interesting. All of her skin, including her body skin, looks um, pretty homogenous with the facial skin and we know that it is not easy to change the quality of skin botox doesn't directly prevent photoaging, and while it can stimulate collagen production um, on top of relaxing facial muscles um, they're responsible for uh, deep wrinkle formation an objective assessment of aging that um, you know dermatologists use is the Glogar photoaging photo aging scale so that incorporates many other observations such as skin elasticity texture pore prominence um, pigmentation and skin radiance and you know she also seems to have a really good facial bone structure which I think, helps an individual to age well too. And um, I think plastic surgeons are the experts on facial bone structures. So what do you guys think about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, her bone structure definitely helps her because, you know, she's got high cheekbones. Like Chris mentioned, you know, she could have done other things that tighten the skin, um, including stuff like skin boosters and like, you know, maybe even fat grafting. So there are quite a few other tricks that she could have done. Um, But certainly most most of the time when, when patients have done some of these things they will have already started with botox or fillers because botox and fillers are after all the most common and most readily accessible treatments they are also probably you know one of the least invasive ones so most people will actually start with with something along those lines um so i i mean you know we can we'll never know if she ever did
0: Personally speaking, I have definitely met patients who had unfortunately very photo-aged skin and they also had deep wrinkles. Now, of course, when you administer Botox, then um, they're no longer able to use their facial muscles in that period of time. Um, And you'll find that the lines become less deep, but then it doesn't change the fact that their skin is photo-aged. And in terms of the skin on the body as well, don't you think that's an important clue?
3: So basically, you're saying that there is like a uh, there's a good correlation between the facial skin and the body skin, right?
0: I mean, we can't really change the skin aging process on the body very convincingly.
3: That's right. So your observation that you know she's got good body skin also suggests that you know there may be you know a good genetic component. She's really taking care of her skin, her diet, the fact that she's not smoking. Which also contributes to it. So, yeah, you know, it may certainly be possible that, you know, she hadn't had treatments like Botox.
0: I think at the end of the day, what I am really interested in is how these dermatologists are pretty convinced that there is, um, you know, absolutely nothing other than Botox which she must have had. Uh, in order to account for a current appearance or at least, um, you know, kind of single-mindedly advocating, um, you know, such cosmetic interventions as part of um, looking good, um, you know, perhaps in her age group. What Zul mentioned actually is consistent with emerging research in dermatology. We call it the skin exposome concept, which essentially defines lifestyle factors in addition to genetics that play a key role in Inflammaging. Inflammaging is a process that has been well-defined in cell, animal, and clinical studies affecting our body systems. As dermatologists who treat all skin conditions topically, uh, in addition uh, to systemic therapy as well, where it's warranted, uh, we're talking about um, you know cosmetic issues of the skin right now, um, and and clearly the skin is also able uh, you know likewise to absorb active ingredients, um, just like it does when we apply prescription medications. The science behind uh, free radical fighting antioxidants in skincare, for example, is well able uh, to substantiate slower photo aging uh, onset in an individual who is, uh, firstly, um, you know, leading a healthy lifestyle, um, having a good skincare routine, and you know, in her case, very likely there is an element. Of um, you know good genes as well. In terms of lifestyle, nutraceutical interventions uh, and antioxidant-rich diet has been shown in geriatric patients to improve both physical and psychosocial wellness. In terms of exercise, high-intensity interval exercise has demonstrated that on a cellular level, it stimulates fibroblast production of collagen. Well, for our international listeners, it's interesting that just a couple of years back, the internet was awash with news of Singapore's very own um, ageless specimen, uh, Chuan Do, a model turned photographer who is in his 50s and still looks like he is in his 20s. He's credited his uh, disciplined diet and exercise regime. But, you know, I think regardless of whether he had any cosmetic treatments, it just wasn't something anyone was talking about at that time, other than wow, he is 50 and looks this good so i figured there are maybe a couple of issues here which i really want to hear what chris Zul and terence have to say are dermatologists and plastic surgeons in asia who work with skin of color more convinced about the role that melanin has to play in the photo aging process
1: mm, i'm not sure about melanin but definitely uh, i mean it does afford some sun protection <laughs> against the UV radiation. And as uh our population here in Singapore, we generally do have thicker skin. We don't age as badly as the uh, Caucasians do in the in the West. So I suppose um someone like Chuando, he is uh, it is you know, we see him I mean definitely his face he he looks youngish, but I mean hey and he definitely can pass for someone about twenty five thirty. But for, I mean, I guess it's not uncommon to see someone who look for Asians to look young. I mean, even amongst the three of us, our patients always tell us we look young, like Terence and Zul, They they both have baby faces as well. Um, so, but but Chuan body is really amazing for fifty. I mean, but and that is definitely not surgically done. It's all his his own hard work and, and exercise. But yeah, I mean, I guess in general, the Asian population does age. A lot better than the Caucasian population.
0: Yes. So you mentioned something quite pertinent, which is the baby face phenomenon. And it's something we talk about in dermatology as well. Um as one of the key determinants of how well someone ages. I mean, that is just plain genetics. What do you think, terence
2: Um we we do we do age a bit differently, um, and if you look at his skin, he's actually very fair. So I guess he he definitely puts a lot of uh, care into you know sun protection. He leads a really healthy lifestyle. His body's really ripped. Probably doesn't smoke, you know. Um, so I think all that helps. Probably has very good genes, you know. So I think all that all that kind of is to his advantage.
0: There are certain characteristics that can be directly applied to skin of color. Um, which enables it to retain more perceived dermal elasticity, so the fullness of the dermis and the fact that skin of color inherently possesses more photoprotective melanin, which translates into less photo damage compared to uh, you know, a counterpart of the same chronological age. Like J.Lo, she is considered someone of color, And we know that the increased melanin content in our skin um, enables us to tolerate UV damage a lot more than our Caucasian counterparts, Um, you know, individuals of Fitzpatrick phototypes one and two. And clearly, because um, at least in this part of the world, we do require it because, you know, we're right at the equator and we get 100% of the UV rays all year round although our cumulative um, you know, lifetime sun exposure still does depend on our lifestyle. Do you think, Zool, since we work in Asia and our patients predominantly belong to the skin of color category, that there really is a difference in terms of how we age and how we respond to cosmetic treatments?
3: yeah so i mean i've had the chance to work in europe during my fellowship and uh you know work with uh, caucasian patients and back in singapore where we predominantly work with asian patients so i get to compare between the asian skin as well as caucasian skin Uh, i mean i do feel that caucasian skin is thinner you know uh, and in terms uh, compared to asian skin they age much faster than us Asians. Uh, you know, at say thirties, Asians still look young, whereas Caucasians might look a little bit older already by then. Uh, they tend to develop wrinkles much more easily, uh, and over sun-exposed areas such as the uh, the touch as well. Also, compared to Asians, uh, it affects us as plastic surgeons surgically because, uh, you know, when you make an incision in a Caucasian patient, they heal pretty well when you close it, but not so easy in Asian patients, and you've got to have uh, very good tissue handling techniques as well.
0: I find that there is definitely a difference between um, Asian and Caucasian skin types uh, in terms of how they tolerate cosmetic interventions as well. Um, specifically lasers. So both ablative and non-ablative lasers require lower energy settings um, in skin of color uh, for uh, skin rejuvenation, um, skin resurfacing, and also for hair removal. And that's because we're much more prone to developing post-inflammation hyperpigmentation. So the uh, settings which are used for Caucasian patients won't be applicable in um, skin of color and why should Botox um, or any other cosmetic treatment denial be offensive? Let's say she really didn't have Botox. What's wrong with saying that? I mean, unless those dermatologists who came out to comment were her dermatologists, in which case it's just J Lo lying, and um, I frankly don't think that's the case.
3: Well, I mean, we have to respect the J Lo as a patient you know, and uh, you know we do respect patient's confidentiality, so she can say whatever she wants. And we can't say, you know, her dermatologist can't say that she's had Botox or she hasn't had Botox because that'd be revealing something. So it is her right. But whether, you know, as a celebrity, she should be saying that, I'm not too sure about it.
0: Exactly as what you said, um, I did feel slightly uncomfortable Um, Because at the end of the day, an individual has a right um, to honestly say what they want to say uh, and if it's false, it's on them. But as physicians, especially when um, there may be a a commercial conflict of interest, so in this case, we are the administrators of such cosmetic interventions, um, to actually comment and pass a judgment on that well, the fact that she is a public figure, I guess you do have to be held more accountable to what you say because um, lots of women uh, and men may be uh, following you as as a role model. And what is the message that you are trying to send here? I mean, you know, trying to scrutinize what um, you know is behind her message of botox denial. Uh, Terence, do you think that there is something she's trying to achieve here, uh, or is just something that only very sensitive individuals, say as doctors, um, you know, who, who have an interest in recommending Botox to patients, versus the layperson, right, or, or to the public, her fans, who may not give a second thought to what she's saying because um, what she's saying is is not exactly, you know, something heinous
2: well you know i I think you can i can understand where she's coming from if she's a, an individual that has always been trying to promote you know being natural um and not having gone under um you know treatments like botox or fillers then certainly you know this is something that will be damaging to her reputation and her image you know and of course like she has commercial interests so I can see where that's coming from um however what i don't get is i i don't get why the doctors uh, who may or may not be her doctors. I'm Certainly, I don't think they are. They. Why are they so riled up about her denying it? Because, um, I mean, lots of people deny having done stuff, even surgery. So, you know, life goes on,
1: right? Well, I mean, I think if she really is telling the truth that she never had Botox, then she's not really, doesn't really have any angle. You know, she's just relaying a, a anecdote that she's never had any of these treatments. That's all. But, if she really did have, and then she's just denying it for the sake of her business. I mean, maybe that's her prerogative to to promote her business. But in terms of getting offended, I mean, I guess um, some people just believe that um, everyone should be honest and you shouldn't have anything to hide, even if you you do have these treatments done. So they're just trying to say that if you have had it done, you know, it's okay. Uh, You don't have to hide these things. But but even J Lo, when she did say that she didn't have Botox, she just she just said that you know it's just she's not that type of person, and that she just hadn't had it done. She said there's nothing wrong with it, and there's there's no reason reason to hide it. But um, she was just relay, uh relating that she hasn't had it done before. So yeah, I guess we'll never know. <laughs>
0: I mean, don't get me wrong because I do perform cosmetic dermatology interventions like Botox and fillers, but I always let the patients point out to me what they see, what they want to improve on rather than pointing it out to them, right? myself or even suggesting it. Like you said, a holistic approach Emphasizing the overall health of the body is also very important to retard the processes involved in aging and inflammation. It is my personal opinion that you can still look good with wrinkles. And as long as it doesn't bother you, no one has the right to comment on that. The converse is also true. I mean, if you don't want to have wrinkles, we are here to help you. Above all, I think what you spoke about, Chris, is something that's resonating with me deeply because um, there's enough insecurity going on um, you know, in our realm of practice, both in dermatology and plastic surgery, that we know that at the heart of it, our work is about alleviating the patient's distress. So whether it's, um, you know, physical medical condition that's causing them uh, pain or uh, discomfort, or in the case of a a cosmetic um, concern, you know, they are equally distressed psychosocially. Um, The focus at the end of the day is still on helping the patient. I want to close with some of my personal thoughts on aging first as a dermatologist and secondly as a woman. 95% of my patients belong to the skin of color demographic and I think that um, the science does support uh, melanin being photoprotective and that it does uh, slow down photoaging in pigmented individuals. I personally think that it is never one hundred percent possible to tell if someone has had Botox because ideal injection techniques result in a very subtle and natural appearance
1: no definitely um nowadays with the surgical techniques as well as uh, uh injection techniques um, it's very the the goal is actually to create a natural type of beauty without the telltale signs of any sort of uh, procedures being done. So it can be very difficult to tell if anyone's had anything done, even surgery, uh, unless you really take a close-up look at them and uh, can see the scars. But if, if it's very well done, then you may not even be able to see the scars. So yes, it's, it's very hard to tell.
0: And to say the converse that you are sure someone has had Botox when they are of a certain age and look that good, is dismissing a lot of evidence that is emerging in this skin exposome concept in uh, dermatological research, which defines lifestyle factors um, in addition to genetics that play a key role in inflammation. In the case of Do, who has this amazing sculpted body, which surgery can't achieve, um, and clearly, you know, my personal opinion is that if we are being pressured to look good um, and to feel that we are only going to be the best version of ourselves um, by the advertising that's going on with cosmetic treatments, uh, this isn't a very sustainable um, nor healthy scenario uh, in the medium to long term. And for doctors uh, to come out to say that it's almost a given that if anyone wants to look good in the eyes of the world, you have to have aesthetic treatments. I think at the end of the day, we have a right, um, you know, to decide what looks good to us, and not to feel that we have to live up to the expectations of others, or, you know, worse still, it is very unhealthy for us to be comparing ourselves to other people. And um, on that note, we we also know that self-criticism is a real factor, um, you know, in psychopathology, increases the risk of many psychological conditions. The thing I do find shocking is why should it be that um, it is seen as you know, as someone boasting about their superior genetics if they deny Botox? Uh, why is it the first thought that comes to your mind when someone says they haven't had Botox? Is Botox so ingrained in our society now that in order to look good at 51, you must have had Botox? Um, you and I, we practice these aesthetic interventions, and we clearly take a different approach in terms of how we explain these treatments to patients. And, you know, as plastic surgeons, um, your core is still in reconstructive surgery. And, you know, not to downplay the value of, you know, uh, restoring one's appearance, right? So when you, um, say, perform reconstructive surgery um, in an individual who's had tissue loss due to uh, cancer or, uh, you know, an atypical infection, you can see how it really helps them in terms of their self-esteem and daily functioning. We know that appearances are important. But to the extent that when you are a healthy individual and when you are talking about looking good at fifty, looking good in the eyes of the world, then you must have had Botox, and if not, then you are boasting to the world about your superior genes or lying. I, I mean, I just find that it's slightly difficult for me to comprehend and to accept that.
2: I I definitely think that there are a lot of, a lot of people with naturally good skin. Um, you know, like I would not say superior, but they just have genetics that that um, that helps. Certainly, their lifestyle and diet also helps, you know. So, I think that's, that's probably the more important thing. Things like sunscreen, you know, not smoking, exercising. And, and, uh, I do see many patients that, uh, yeah, that don't, that don't age, um, as much as, uh, someone else, you know. So, I, I think that certainly plays a, a big part. So, maybe the people who are upset, uh, they're envious. I'm not sure, but um, but uh, I I definitely think it's it's not all that impossible, not all that far fetched, you know, to to have good skin without having to do a lot.
0: Do you think that um, with the popularity of aesthetic treatments, especially when they are you know being practiced by non-specialists, so non dermatologists, non plastic surgeons, um, it is you know, creeping into the public perception that um, these treatments are normalized and you must have some of it in order to look good, whatever age you are at?
3: I guess with uh, social media, you know, uh, aesthetic treatments have sort of become the cultural norm that, you know, you you must have it, you know, in order for you to look good. But personally, I don't think that's the case. I think what's paramount is a healthy lifestyle. Uh, You know, good genes is helpful, but uh, a healthy lifestyle, eating well, exercising, not smoking, no late nights, sleeping well, that is paramount, you know, in uh, helping a person to look as best as he or she could possibly can.
0: We've already spoken about the lifestyle factors being evidence-based um, You know, in terms of the research that we have now. The disruption of the circadian rhythm has been shown to accelerate aging in cell and animal models. Um, just by experience, you and I know that if you are lacking sleep or in, when we are doing night calls, we find ourselves really fatigued and our immune system is also down. So what you've said, Zul, is very important in terms of shaping our societal views, um, on aging. Increasingly, we know that we ought to be more sensitive about age and people growing older, because being discriminatory, like if you see an individual who is showing the physical signs of age, and we can clearly communicate that, uh, in objectively in a medical way, uh, but. Is it actually appropriate for us to, um, you know, very brashly communicate that and convey that to the layperson, to the public as well? Um, And if it does lead to some form of ageism um, in terms of a discriminatory attitude?
1: Um, I, I think there would be some ageism in society. Uh, based on looks, I mean, everyone wants to look good and, and you know, that better looking people, um, get promoted faster. They earn more money, you know, in the corporate world, things like that. So there is some, definitely some discrimination against people who don't look as good. I'm not sure whether it's ageism or not, but I suppose younger people in general tend to look better. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, There definitely is something and I guess that's why people do go for these treatments to look younger and to look better, to sort of help with their personal and professional life as well.
0: There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And in fact, a way to look at that issue is... Uh, really in terms of how you put yourself together, because for that same reason, we dress well. It's a measure of conveying respect to the other party, and when you look like you take care of yourself, our hope is sincerely that you are really taking care of yourself and uh, none of us here would be advocating an intervention where you're simply just uh, doing the cosmetic treatment and having a very unhealthy lifestyle, heavy smoking, alcohol consumption, um, and a sedentary lifestyle. But I feel as doctors, you know, as medical professionals first, the public innately holds us in a certain regard in terms of how they do respect what we say. I mean, hopefully, eight or nine years ago, I would have been um, really convinced that you do have to look your part, you have to look good, which would offer you certain advantages in life and in general. But it's a matter of to whom you're trying to sell your attractiveness to. Because the same people who may be evaluating you based on your attractiveness are maybe not the kind of people who would stick with you in the long run. Do you know what I mean? So if your employer is hiring you just because of your good looks or thinks that you can get an edge over somebody else because of your better looks, I'm not sure if that's going to be sustainable because there's always going to be someone who's better uh, in terms of that. And if I mean, obviously, you're totally incompetent as well. No matter how pretty or good looking you are, I think that's a real problem.
2: Yes, I I agree. I mean, like uh, our philosophy has always been, you know, um, we we want to put the the want you to have the best version of yourself. It doesn't necessarily have to be through some form of surgery and all that. You know, um, definitely, it's it's more important to be truly who you are. And like you say, you know, like uh, your it really depends on. who you you think your audience is right so i think um cosmetic dermatology or cosmetic surgery or plastic surgery um it's not going to land you that job it's not going to get you that promotion or 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 get you that that boyfriend so you know i mean you, you do it for for the for the reason that you want to do it but you know you should not have uh inflated expectations of what these treatments do for you
0: a condition known as body dysmorphic disorder is pretty common in aesthetic patients. Um, and I'm sure in plastic surgery, as it is in aesthetic dermatology, um, you know, you would have experienced uh, these uh, profile of patients who have an underlying psychological disorder, which, uh, you know, incites them to go for countless um, cosmetic interventions, and this is very often associated with, um, you know, a high patient uh, dissatisfaction rate uh, with the physician and, and of, of course, in terms of their appearance. Yes, I've,
3: uh, I've had patients, uh, encountered patients with body dysmorphic disorder, uh, patients who've had aesthetic treatments like fillers who then had it removed a few days later and gone somewhere else and had fillers again and then had it removed because they're not satisfied with what they have. And uh, yeah, there's an element of depression in this. So we've got to really pick it up.
0: It's so saddening, I feel, that we have to get to this point where doctors whom the public look up to traditionally as healers sometimes have to make this kind of judgment simply because the practice of aesthetic medicine is fairly new. I don't know about you, but I personally feel that a lot of the narcissistic displays uh, we see on social media, and it's also without a doubt, um, you know, borne out by ongoing epidemiological studies as well, that narcissism—not not in terms of pathological narcissism, but just narcissistic traits in general—are on the rise internationally. I think there could be some sort of correlation with the rise of aesthetic medicine. It's a cycle. The beauty industry, which is now also intertwined with medicine, provides an avenue for improving your appearance and then sells this idea to you that you can be better looking and uh, or younger looking and it will offer you these advantages simply because you look better um, that fuels narcissistic traits.
1: Yeah, well, so you do have to be a little bit careful, like you say. Like these patients, I mean, just people in general, they they just want to keep looking better and better. But sometimes there is a limit to how much you can do. So we do have to be careful and tell them, okay, look, I think you've had enough. You know, sometimes you know we shouldn't do any more. But there are some unethical doctors out there who just keep giving fillers. You know, even if the patient his the face is very full already and they don't really need any more. Uh, also, not just doctors, but um, in other countries uh, or even in Singapore, uh, beauticians are still carrying out these these uh, treatments in in their own houses or hotel rooms, things like that. So, uh, and these these uh, practitioners are not bound by any ethical obligation; they're just bound by commercial interests, and so they'll just keep giving you as much as they can sell. Um, so it is very dangerous and it is true that social media is feeding this type of behaviour uh, in general. Yeah.
0: Well, at the end of the day, we still don't know if J. Lo was lying or not. But to be offended that cosmetic interventions like Botox are being specifically denied by celebrities even if they are telling the truth. What's the deal with that? Why should it be seen as them boasting about their superior genetics or even crediting their skincare regimen? Now I feel my underlying discomfort is really that we are being pressured to look good and to feel like we are only going to be the best version of ourselves by the um advertising that's going on with cosmetic treatments. Um By the way, there's absolutely nothing wrong with cosmetic treatments and and myself. I perform these for my patients. But the key here is that I'm not the one suggesting it to my patients. Um, I'm not sure how many dermatologists actually practice this way but um, I feel that when it comes to cosmetic dermatology um, it it has to take a slightly different approach uh, as as compared to medical dermatology where we are you know definitely um, leading the the conversation with regards to a diagnostic sort of um, you know aim to to come to a diagnosis but then Cosmetic dermatology, uh, these, you know, pathologies are actually not, uh, life threatening, although they may cause, um, some degree of psychosocial distress. However, this varies. So an individual may not be bothered by wrinkles, whereas another person may be, one person may be bothered by their pigmentation, but not by their wrinkles. So the key here is, um, you know, I feel it's slightly disturbing if it is, um, going to be that the doctors are coming out to say that it is almost a given for anyone who wants to look good in the eyes of the world that you need to have cosmetic treatments. Well, that's it for today's podcast episode. Thank you, Chris, Terrence, and Zol for coming on board with your expertise and personal thoughts on the practice of aesthetic medicine. You may follow them on Instagram at Azatica Plastic Surgery. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Merry Christmas until the next episode.
1: Thanks, Wan Lin. It's been uh, great chatting with you about all these things. Uh, Hope to do it again someday.
2: Thanks, Juan Lin. Um, Yeah, this is my first time. It's quite fun. I look forward to seeing you along the corridor. And uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Thanks, Wan Lin. It's been a
3: pleasure talking to you on your podcast and to all your viewers.
0: All right. Thank you all. And have a Merry Christmas, everyone.